All right. Hi, everybody. It's our CFP Talk 162. It's Tuesday night. This is when we always enjoy hearing from you. So if you'd like to join that conversation, just go ahead and hit request from your Twitter app in the bottom left, and I'll be happy to let you up, and we can talk college football. It's Tuesday night. We are in that wonderful stretch where there is constant football every day of the week. So before we kind of dive into the details of this show, just wanted to give some score updates. I've been following kind of in the background this Liberty-Middle Tennessee State game because it's all, you know, Conference USA has got a couple of games, so does the Fun Belt. But Liberty is undefeated. They have the easiest schedule in the country, but they are pretty exciting to watch. And Middle Tennessee had a lead on them in the third quarter, but Liberty has now gone ahead by a touchdown. It's 42-35, high-scoring affair on CBS Sports Network. Meanwhile, Jacksonville State is uh, trailing Western Kentucky by a touchdown. Western Kentucky seemed to be the likely candidate to challenge Liberty in an eventual Conference USA title game, but uh, Jacksonville State simply can't play in any postseason because they, like James Madison, are uh, not able to play in a bowl or any postseason game. Same with Sam Houston, but they're probably not going to reach close to the win total at this point. And then finally, South Alabama. We actually have a reporter at South Alabama right now. He's witnessing uh, the Southern Miss get absolutely bludgeoned right now. It's 41-3. to So that one's uncompetitive on ESPN2. But that CBS Sports Network, Liberty, Middle Tennessee game, and that ESPNU game between Jacksonville State and Western Kentucky look good. But um, I'm going to go ahead and start letting whoever wants to come up to talk. Uh, before we get there, just a couple of other quick notes. Sorry to hear about Brock Bowers undergoing surgery. Um, Hopefully it's nothing too serious and he'll get back on the field. He's such an exciting player. And meanwhile, another injury on a lighter note. Uh, I just read Shane Beamer, South Carolina's head coach, apparently broke his foot in frustration after the loss to Florida. He said he kicked something. Um, he seems to be pretty you know, easygoing about it. You kind of feel bad for the guy. I've been a kid and kicked something as a kid that I'm pretty sure messed up my toe for a while. But uh, yeah, hopefully it wasn't anything too serious. And uh, But anyway, sometimes it hits us all. You know, I see John, you're already ready to come up. I'm going to let everyone up who I can get up here. It's always great to talk to you. So John, what's going on with you? Hey, Bob, how you doing tonight? Good, how are you? Not too bad. You know, actually, I busted my foot once uh, kicking a wall, but I was in college and it was for a lot of different reasons. Um, but I hope Shane's, I hope Shane's uh, foot recovers and you know heals properly. Um, my question for tonight was actually uh, about Jimbo Fisher. Um, you know, looking at the last this year and last season, um, you know, we we started Texas A and M, you know, with that huge contract. You know, he really had the first great couple of years, and you know, last year with a five and seven season. Now this year, you know, with a near five hundred record, you know, seven games in, I was curious if you really think that there's any danger of you know. Of him and, and where he is at the moment, contract wise, because you know they have the buyout. It's it's huge at this point, and it's going to be pretty hard for him to go. Do you think it's a better chance of Texas A&M letting him go, or do you think there's a better chance of Jimbo actually leaving for a different school? Um, <laughs> oh, I, if I were Jimbo, I wouldn't leave for a different school because there's no school that's ever going to pay him the amount of money that Texas A&M is yeah. going to owe him. So if I'm if I'm Jimbo Fisher. I would just keep coaching until they kick me out because uh, I, it's just a financial. I mean, and I think anyone in his position would do that. I mean, you're going to get a ton of money if they decide to get rid of you or you somehow start winning and people forget, you know, but I, at this point it's looking pretty dire 
and everyone at I mean the, the astonishing thing by the way is we actually sat down a couple of us and crunched some numbers it would be what like it, there's his buyout everyone wants to talk about his buyout but it's not just his buyout they're gonna have to pay they're gonna have to pay the assistants I'm sure with the the level of talent he has on his assistant coaching staff and while they're not the, the most the people people are thrilled about like DJ Durkin and, and Bobby Petrino I mean they may have buyouts you know, some of the other staff members may have smaller buyouts, and then you're going to have to pay for the next head coach. So it could easily get start to get closer and closer to an, a number that's even more astonishing. And I think that sometimes gets a little lost. But I, uh, I don't think he's going to go to another program or anything like that. I think he'd be foolish, too. I think in his position, you just keep coaching, and if they're going to can you, you take that money and run. <laughs> you know, I mean... Yep. It's it's the masterful. I mean, I don't blame them for doing that. I mean, it's the uh, oh gosh, I can't believe his name just slipped my mind. The uh, Notre Dame Kansas coach. Um, oh my gosh, tactical advantage. Oh, I forgot his name. But uh, Charlie Weiss, Charlie Weiss's approach. So you know, you, if you can keep getting payments for the rest of your life, or at least for a long period of time, do it. Yeah, I always mention the fact of him, you know, leaving just because that's actually part of his contract. He has. Uh, he can leave, and there's really no no penalty for himself for leaving. He has, you know, he has, you know, doesn't owe anything back. So I'm just, it's just a weird position because you know it's it's a high pressure school. He's going to reform me, but it, it seems like neither side can really do anything at this point. It's just it feels like a very awkward moment for both parties at this point. It's definitely awkward, and you feel bad for all those fans who are watching all of this, who are or Aggies fans, because it's tough for them, and it's only going to get. It's got to be weird to watch Texas doing so well and knowing that Texas and Oklahoma is doing well, too. It's not that they're not rivals either, but uh, knowing they're joining the conference next year, this is just it's it's stressful. And uh, I sympathize with them and how they must be feeling in all of this. So, yeah, let's see here. I see Gator. Uh, let's see here. Gator student. I'm going to let you up here as well. Uh, I'm going to try and get as many folks up here who'd like to join the conversation. Gator student, what's going on? Uh, so the University of Florida owns, uh, Shane Beamer's foot, but, um, in all seriousness, um, his, the, the Spurs fan base is, uh, sorry, the Cox fan base is really overreacting to him doing that. I mean, personally, if my coach punched a wall and broke his fist after a win, I'd be, after a loss like that, I'd be happy. I mean, there, I, I maybe that's just because I had Dan Mullen as my coach, smiling on the field. <laughs> yeah, the um, or maybe it's because I'm a student, and that's how mad I get after a loss. <laughs> um, yeah, John, John said he did the same thing as a student. Yeah, so I, I mean, it's it's tough. I mean, personally, like, I don't know. I everybody's, I but I I guess Shane does have a history of not being able to control his emotions, especially in pressers. So maybe that's what's alarming, but I mean, I, I like that fight in a coach. Um, I don't, I don't think there's anything wrong. I think they played a good game and had it's jumping into college football after just like now just watching it for about three years so far since I've been in college. It's so weird how these fan bases react so differently. Like let's say Spencer Rattler were to finish that last drive um, instead of throwing an interception and they win the game. Uh, and with that 47 second drive that they could have had, um, the, the, the fan base would be going crazy and there would be no talk about fire Beamer, even though their defense played just as bad as it did. And the same for Florida, really, our defense played bad through three quarters until the end. So um, I, I think 
Shane Beamer deserves a little bit of credit at least. He needs to get a better defensive coordinator in there. But, yeah, until then, the university owns his foot. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and I I like Shane Beamer a lot. So I think that was a tough loss. You have a great quarterback. And then I think Florida has just been slowly building back up. I mean, they were not as bad as it seemed at the beginning of the season. They, They seem to be... Kind of, I mean, right now they're at a healthy kind of five and two, three and one conference. I think, I'm not sure where they're going to go with the rest of the season. I'm not going to guarantee wins. Obviously, they've got a couple of really tough games. Um, you know, they get a break and the, the world's largest out there, ah, the world's largest outdoor cocktail party is going to be a hell of a game. Um, Georgia, which I mean, I'm going to for the first time ever. Oh, really? Which is, oh, my it's goodness. my, yeah, it's my first away game as a Florida fan. And, I've, I've, unfortunately, my first year was Dan Mullen's last year, so I really haven't had a great experience so far. But, um, uh, I mean, I, I can't wait to go. I got the tickets before I heard about Brock's injury, but just because I think this is a decent record we're going to into it with, I think it's not the least winnable game on our schedule. I think that would be LSU away this year, as their offense is just getting better with each game and our defense is getting worse with each game. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I can't wait to go there. I, I'm I'm happy with the, the record. I think that people kind of shut us down after last year when a lot of those losses were just super close. I mean, FSU uh, lost by seven points at the end. Tennessee lost by seven points both games. Just couldn't put the, put the drive together at the end. I think I think the team's still like an eight and four ceiling, which is was which isn't great, but it's it's crazy how emotional everybody is in college football and that's what makes it so fun especially the further south you go i feel but i think that's great and uh, you know that's the georgia world's largest outdoor cocktail party that is going to be fun regardless i mean i would just go in there and just soak that in just that experience especially as a student yeah it's your first time going there i mean i hate to say win or lose because winning would be a whole lot better but i mean that's those are the great those are the great experiences in college I, I was talking to my roommate, though, and if I got to choose between winning that game and winning FSU at the end of the year, it's got to be FSU because FSU at home, they're they're probably going to be ranked top three. I mean, they've got the easiest playoff path. They don't even have to play UNC or Louisville this year they <laughs> unless they go to the ACC championship. So, like, that would be the one. But I, I can't wait. My dad's – I'm a Florida native, a 10th generation, and my dad is a, a ninth generation, and he's lived in Jax his whole life, and he finally gets to go. He's never gone. Oh, wow. So we got some student tickets and student gets, guest tickets. It's going to be – I want to remember, my sister's actually at FSU, so he, like, goes between both the games every weekend, but it's 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 going to be an awesome experience. That's awesome. That sounds so perfect. I remember before my dad passed, I took him to – I'm a USC alum, but I took him to the USC-UCLA game, and – you know, that was just fun to go to. Like, I, I think we won, but that wasn't the part that I remember. I just remember going with him. And so I hope you guys have fun. I really do. I appreciate that. I hope we win, but either yeah. way, it'll be a great experience. Well, thanks for joining <laughs> us, man. That was great. I appreciate it. No problem. Sorry, Sorry if I took Oh, no, not at all. Not at all. Um, let's hear Ski Mask Smurphy. Uh, what's going on with you, man? Thanks for pulling me up. Um, I just wanted to say... Well, two things. The first thing is this weekend is shaping up to be probably like one of the perfect schedules as far as um, playoff impact goes. Like the schedule just lines up that all those big games sort of fall in line at 12 o'clock, then 3.30, then 8 o'clock so you can see it all. I just wanted to say that. And then the biggest thing I want to say is um, I don't know if anyone got to see it, but Tez Walker 
got his eligibility back and immediately made an instant impact and put UMC over the top over Miami. Oh, yeah. I think everyone realized why they were so bullish on getting him to play. I mean, part of it was like, because you always wonder, too, I mean, is it a bit of, and and I I don't mean to, I I really respect Mac Brown, uh, but at the same time, you always wonder, well, is there also that element of, you know, the the benefit to the team just not not just the the not just the you know the the honor of the thing or the you know is there is there some practical use for the guy and wow did he show what he can do um so yeah no i think that's been a great that's been a great addition for unc for will and and i'm very i'm very much looking forward to seeing i think if anything, North Carolina, and I think it's good to kind of be this season. It seems it's good to not be as noticeable, but I'm really curious. North Carolina is is looking better, and they're kind of still quietly being undefeated. Um, I think maybe it's because they haven't had as much of a, a a marquee game yet, and I think that Miami game had the luster taken off of it thanks to Miami's screw up <clears throat> the previous week with the knee. Um, that was an inadvertent cough, but perfectly timed. But I, I, you know, then you look what happened with Louisville. Everyone notices him after they beat Notre Dame, and then Pitt, man, you know, it's always that's always how it turns out. No, excuse me, but um, yeah, uh, you know, I just also before I forget, and one thing I wanted to bring up because this is one of those stories I, I love, love, love um, HBCU game day, and and I just like to toss in a couple of headlines that have have come across um, before I go to the next caller. Um, one of the, the mysterious, it, it seemed like kind of a out of nowhere firing, but I admit I don't pay close attention to D2 football, but St. Augustine, let go of their head coach who was just in his first year, Howard Feggins. And, you know, yeah, he went zero and seven, but it, his, his losses were all surprisingly close. Um, especially when you compared how St. Augustine, which ain't a great D2 program was doing. They had like one win the last two seasons and, and all pretty, pretty big blowouts and they lost three of his games by like less than a score. I mean, it was, it was not looking bad, but I'm like, why did they fire him so quickly? And then on Monday, uh, he gave a presser and Stephen J. Gaither, who again, I love HBCU game. They probably the best. I mean, again, this is pre Dion. Like he's, this is the website to go to, I think for finding out what's going on at HBCU. But he wrote an interesting article because, um, this again, it's unusual because the head, the now ex head coach, holds a press conference and some of his players were there in support. And he basically outlined all the problems that he was dealing with. And the more, you know, he was talking about the fact that, um, they, I guess they had to resaw the field and never bothered to give the team a place to practice. So they were practicing on concrete, uh, for several, for a little while. And due to unpaid bills, I couldn't get proper equipment. Uh, they didn't have a full time athletic trainer. So finally, he had to, uh, he had to, you know, arrange a practice field himself with the county, and then the school wasn't helping him get the proof of insurance he needed to get a practice field. So finally, again, just realizing he wasn't getting any kind of feedback from the administration, he threatened to forfeit a game, and that got some reaction from the administration. But then also, it seems like they were just looking now for an opportunity to let him go. Um, which is just uh, a mess. So that that whole side story, I think it's not been as noticed because again, it's D two football um, already. But that is one of the more interesting stories I've seen this week. And um, I, I seems like a decent coach. Again, the defense that he's putting out there for a team that had not had any in the previous couple of seasons, it would just struck me immediately. So I hope he finds somewhere that can that can give him support. Another one more funny 
one more funny little story. This one's to, to change it, change it up. Um, one of the reporters, the Ohio State beat writer, noticed that Purdue during their game, uh, there was a break, so they had a student do a, a field goal challenge, and he made a forty-yard field goal during a timeout. And then the Boilermakers' real kicker came out and missed a thirty-nine-yard field goal. Uh, to be fair, there's a whole lot of difference in being a, a, a fan just kicking a ball without a whole team running at you. So uh, uh, we'll be credit to that. I mean, is, is a, having any defense run at you, uh, you know, or any, you know, uh, I'm just going to say it's a little different than when you have a bunch of guys running at you. But uh, that still was kind of a funny thing. You know, before I go to the next caller, I see two hands up. Ski Mask Smurphy and then John. What's going on? Oh, John was first. I love him. Okay, sure. Appreciate it. Um, I just I, I was not aware of that uh, the story out of St. Augustine. That is absolutely insane. I mean, that's it is it's extremely concerning. I mean, <clears throat> is there no is there no blowback for the school to get for this? I mean, having guys play on concrete and having I mean, putting your your player safety in that in that regard or your student safety and like that. I mean, that's that's absolutely ridiculous. I mean, the problem is the amount of pressure isn't going to be that great. It's not as long as it's, it's always been a tough situation for, for a lot of programs and, and, and HBCUs most certainly have had to deal with it. I think part of the benefit of when Dion was at Jackson uh, state is that he drew some of that. And then Ed Reed to a later extent also brought some attention to some of the, the issues and that's, those were FCS programs. So we're now going to a, a division below that and you know, it's, it's difficult. So, there have been uh, again, you know, it, it, there's a it's a very complicated issue with the amount of finances the schools themselves are. They've got to keep their own lights on. So it's not like I wouldn't say that. I would I would hesitate to say that there's any malice in any of it. It's more like just being overwhelmed with probably some of the uh, the administrative tasks at hand. But uh, Ski Mask Smurphy, I, I know you may have some thoughts on this. Yeah, I was gonna say as far as the whole complication with HBCUs. <laughs> Excuse me. It's been sort of a long-running thing. It sort of pops his head up every once in a while, even when I was at um when I was attending Morehouse College, another HBCU. We we had our own sort of problems. We did have a period of time where we get in the field resod it. And but that was but luckily there was like a middle school close enough down the street that the team could go to. But the one problem they also did have was just insurance. The insurance rates for football have gone basically sky high since the whole concussion thing happened. And that's why, like, a lot of youth programs sort of shut down. But also, each HBCU sort of had their running with financing and stuff. Um, I mean, ESPN had basically um, a little series documenting North Carolina Central's basketball team and how sort of they travel around, like, for a month, basically, to play all these big schools to get funding for all the rest of the sports. And then I remember there was a period of time as well with Grambling State, their football program, which is sort of like the HBCU football program, even they were having complications and they did have the team themselves for the game. Yeah, so it's, yeah, absolutely. I remember yeah. the 2013 it's, game. It's the, the 2013 season where yeah. Grambling, uh, the players actually mutinied because of the conditions and they had to, I, I think it was Missouri Valley State or no, it was Jackson State now that I remember where they actually had to forfeit the game because the, the team refused to go over the conditions of the program. Yeah, and I remember specifically one of the things that players are pointing out was that their pads and jerseys weren't getting washed. 
which is a very significant thing. Because when I was in high school, we had one of the schools in the area had a MERS or SARS outbreak, whichever one it is, due to uncleanliness of their equipment. So they were they were legitimate in their, in their story. You know, I just saw Stephen, uh, actually Stephen J. Gaither, the person who runs HBCU Game Day in our audience, put his hand up, and I had to let him up immediately, only because this is so pertinent to what we're talking about. Stephen, how are you doing, man? I'm doing good. How are you guys doing today? Good. It's great to hear from you. We, I was wonderful. I was actually thinking, like, I haven't had, a, I haven't done guests very often this season at all. And you were a guest with us two times last season, and uh, yeah. it's always a pleasure hearing from you. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I appreciate you for uh, bringing, uh, you know, bringing, bringing up this issue. Um, you know, it's, um, it's, it's unfortunate. Um, you know, and I, I think, you know, if this was an isolated incident, this would be kind of one thing, but. Um, this is something, uh, you know, just briefly for folks who don't know, St. Augustine's uh, University in Charlotte in, uh, in Raleigh is uh, it's an HBCU. It was founded in the 1870s, I believe. It's it's one of two private HBCUs in the Raleigh area, you know. Um, so obviously there's there's you know, you've got so many different levels of schools in that area. You've got UNC and NC State right there. Um, you've got, uh, you know, so many of the FCS programs and you have the the, uh, you know, other division twos. Um, and so they didn't have a football program for a long time. They uh, they got rid of it for, I think, 50 or so years. And then they brought it back in the 2000s, had some success, um, but, you know, ran into funding problems probably about uh, a decade ago. And it started as a slow decline, but they've had four coaches over the last five years and kind of each time. Um, you know, one of the coaches would get there and they would get let go and they would start to kind of you hear whispers about what's going on. It's really bigger than athletics. Unfortunately, the school has, um, you know, is struggling to survive. You know, you're you know, uh, you're in a state where, again, you've got uh, so many schools, just period, so many uh, large state schools like North Carolina, North Carolina State. Um, and then you've got, uh, you know, even, you know, UNC Charlotte, UNC Greensboro. And then you've got your app states, you've got your your ECUs, all of those schools, and then you get to your FCS level. So, so many schools, and as a small private HBCU, um, you know, the the cost of attendance is, you know, not cheap. And uh, they, they're struggling to compete. And so one of the things that's been brought up is that actually football for them, having a football program, uh, I think their enrollment has fluctuated between maybe 11 as low as 1100 and maybe as high as maybe 14 or 1500 having so having those 100 or so football players that are there um and most of them are paying you know um it's it's important for them to have that revenue wise um to keep the school open unfortunately um and you know it's uh it, so you know it's an unfortunate situation and and every coach that gets there um, they get there, they they know that it's bad, and I don't think they understand how difficult it is, um, just as you say, logistically. Um, and, and again, it's not necessarily that people don't care. It's it's like you say, the system being overwhelmed and, and, and so many things. But, um, you know, every coach gets there and they feel like, you know, they can they're going to try to overcome it. And they're they seem like they're all there for great reasons. They're actually all there for the student athletes. Um, but, you know. It's, uh, you know, it's like, you know, firing a coach. Um, how, you know, how is that going to help anything? Is it going to improve anything? 
they'll be looking for their fifth coach in uh in in five seasons in almost five seasons pretty soon so um it's a tough situation there but I, I you know I you know so I took the story on yesterday and then I wanted to uh, I did a a live video where I kind of tried to give some context around it um you know not all HBCUs are created equal not all HBCUs are struggling to that point um but there are you know again some of the smaller private schools that that definitely um, have to rely on athletics actually as a way for to stay open enrollment wise. So it's a pretty complicated story, probably uh, more so complicated than even I understand. But I'm trying to, you know, understand more of it to make sense to make sense of it all. So, well, I really appreciate uh, that you that. that you drew a light to that, Stephen. That, that I mean, again, I love HBCU game day and I encourage people who are interested in it to follow that. You know, I see a couple of hands up. Um, Let's see, I saw Gator student first, then Ski Mask Smurfy, then John, and then I'd love to get some other new folks up here as well. Um, mine's a little unrelated, so I don't want to change the topic if you guys okay, what, are still talking about it. Oh, cool, so why don't we hold on that for one second, Gator student? I promise we'll get to you. Ski Mask Smurfy. Oh, yes, I just wanted to go off Stephen's point that, you know, the school is struggling with funding and that, I remember specifically, I believe it's Florida A&M and Bethune-Cookman recently within like the past year sort of got their lawsuit moving through the courts and sort of showed that basically like the HBCUs in, the, in just in the state of Florida have been underfunded for like the past three to four decades by about like a billion dollars versus what they should Yeah, I owe. saw that. And that these are the things that sort of lead to the program sort of not being in not being the way they need to be at St. Augustine, Gramlin State, even Bethune-Cookman, and Jackson State that we saw with Ed Reed and um, Dion. So these things are not sort of like just coming out of nowhere, sort of been building and getting to this point, unfortunately. Absolutely. John, did you want to add something? Yeah, um, I was going to say, uh, this, yeah, thank you to Stephen, you know, for speaking about this. I'll be honest, I'm, I'm unfortunately angry, a little angry on the um, subject matter of HBCU. So I just, uh, Gave you a follow too, so I think you'll be a little more educated about you know what's going on, you know, and, and you know with the, with these programs. Um, Steven, I just had a quick question for you. I mean, what 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 do you think can be done to help these you know help these schools with these you know with these financial problems? I mean, is there anything that can be done? I mean, I just, I like to, I, I'm I'm ignorant unfortunately on the subject, so I, I would love to just hear you know what your feelings are about you know what could be you know what could be done to help these uh help these programs. Um, you know, in the case of St. Aug, it's difficult. You know, there are them and there are a couple other schools, uh, mostly in Division Two, but even, you know, Bethune-Cookman is a private school as well. Um, so, you know, it's it's tough for them because their business model, um, you know, they, you know, they have to, they rely on students enrollment. And, and it's, I mean, it's, you know, it's more expensive to go to St. Augustine's than it is to go to um, you know, any of those power, you know, just, you know, I, and I don't want to, I haven't read everybody's, uh, everybody's tuition, but it, you know, expense wise, it's just as expensive to go there as it is to probably to any of the, the power five schools that are in there in the state, other than maybe, you know, 100% Wake Forest or Duke, which are of course private. So, but I mean, you know, again, so student body, student wise, just in general, you're competing against again North Carolina, North Carolina State, um, UNC Charlotte, UNC Greensboro, Appalachian State, Eastern Car—I mean East Carolina, 
Um, so, you know, it's it, it's t- it's going to be tough for those schools. Again, you're talking we're talking about sports, but, you know, it's, it's tough for them to just just stay in business. Um, so it's it's tough with their business model. Um, I, I don't know. You know, smarter than mine than myself have had to try to deal with this question. Um, I, I, you know, for, again, for those small private schools, it's going to be really tough. But, you know, you hope for. Um, you know, some of the public schools, again, the Florida A&M, the Jackson States, they are what's known as land grant institutions. Um, and there are, you know, historically, you know, so basically like North Carolina, North Carolina State is an agricultural, you know, is basically the state of North Carolina created North Carolina State and North Carolina A&T for the same reason and under the same act, if I'm not mistaken. But of course, North Carolina A&T hasn't gotten nearly the funding that North Carolina state has gotten. So there's that disparity there. Will they ever get that money? I, I doubt it. But, you know, the Maryland HBCUs actually had to sue to get some level of money that they were owed. So um, it, it's a tough situation, again, for those private schools. Um, they're really coming down to having a benefactor that will, you know, some benefactors that will pour into the school. Take too much time on it but the new jamie fox movie the burial is about willie gary uh who's the attorney uh you know this attorney who you know helps take down you know big time big businesses that are taking over that are taking advantage of the little guy um he's a former shaw university uh football player who again shaw is another the other private hbcu in raleigh who uh also didn't have football for a long time and so um, you know, he came along and helped really help fund that program uh, in its early days uh, and put money behind it. So it's it's a tough road to hoe, especially for the uh, for the uh, the private, the small private HBCUs. But, um, you know, we'll, we'll just have to continue to watch and see. And, you know, obviously, with all of these things, you know, there there's definitely things that could be fixed in all these situations. But, you know, overridingly is the, the resources and, and just being overwhelmed with the infrastructure. So um, I, I really wish I had an answer, but it's 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 a huge problem. We'll continue to follow it uh, on the HBCU game day and for sure. Well, th- of course. And yeah. And like and thank you. Thank you, Steve. I do appreciate it. man. Yeah. Thanks, Stephen. And again, for those of you who get interested in, in HBCU football at, at FCS and, and D2 and just the entire thing, I really recommend uh, HBCU game day. And it was great to have Stephen pop up. That was a that was a great surprise. And I'm happy to always happy to have you. Um, Gator student, I know just to change gears a little bit. I know you wanted to ask a question um, and then I'd love to, to let up some new, new folks as well. Yeah, cool. I'll, yeah, I'll ask this and then I'll dip to leave some more room. Um, first of all, Bethune-Cookman, that's in my hometown. I got to go. I want to go back there and see a LJ McCray uh, game. He's a five-star recruit. Florida's recruiting. I don't know if he goes to us, Florida State or Georgia, but uh, that's back in my hometown. And him and Zay Mincy are coming out of Mainland High School. It's just a really talented area in Daytona Beach there. But um, anyways, uh, my question for you guys, I, I, I haven't really quite thought about it till after each game, but um, – the new two-minute rule at the end of each half for clock stoppage um, while moving the chains and um, after going out of out of bounds. Um, have you guys noticed any? Uh, I, I I don't know any play calling differences. Uh, I I I've seen uh, Napier uh, pass the ball a lot more, just like the entire game. I I think rather than run heavy the entire year. 
because uh, he switched to a, a little more pass heavy this this last game because he got a lot of scrutiny um, even from head ball coach. But um, even prior to that this season, the ball's gone in the air a lot more, and I, I think. Um, and I, I think it's, it's, it's for clock management. Um, I, I don't know if you guys have noticed anything uh, on this end because I know the clock's running a lot faster, and I know we aren't getting as much college football. Yeah, we're definitely not getting as much college football. I admit I, I haven't paid as close attention to the strategy changes, but if, if someone has, by all means, um, would love to have your thoughts on that. Um, but it is. It's one of those changes, in, and the idea of you know, reducing the amount of game time which, of course, has also seen an increase in commercials. But, you know, um, yeah, no, that is – we'll see. I mean, the, the first season's always fascinating when, after there's a rule change like that. I, we'll see where it shakes out and how people develop ways to, uh, to take full advantage of it because you know everyone is trying to. You know, I wanted to go ahead and move on. Corn, <laughs> uh, Cornwall Buttersworth, uh, thanks for joining us. Well, you've been really patient. All of you who, who are in the queue have been patient, and I'll try to get to everyone. Um, what's – I'll have- Thank you, man. I'll yeah, thanks out. so much, Gator student. Um, so what's up? What's on your mind, Cornwall Buttersworth? And um, the mute button's in the bottom left, which is, don't worry, I've had to say that a billion times over the last, you know, 160 shows. Oh, looks like it dropped him. Oh, goodness. Oh, no, no, wait, no, he's requested again. I see it. Sometimes, sometimes the system gets weird when somebody has tried to come up and then has been in waiting for a while. So we'll see. Uh, let's see. If you want to unmute, we'd love to hear from you. Dr. Buttersworth. Oh, my bad, man. Shit. No, no, don't worry. Yeah. There you are. Now I hear you. No, no, no. Uh, <laughs> yeah. it, it kept on cutting me out back and forth, man. Oh, I, uh, I've seen it all, and I believe it. Don't worry. It's not you. <laughs> now, what's going on, man? Give me one second. Give me like two minutes and I'll just wanted to talk. I'm a Penn State guy, so just give me one second. Yeah, nope. <laughs> so let's see. While we're letting while we're letting him to uh to grab his stuff, let me uh I see Zach, I think you were um also in the queue, and I'll let you up here and would love to hear from you as well. Um Zach, how are you doing, man? Hey, what's up, Bobak? How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Just another wonderful. Uh, we're about halfway through the season. Lots of stuff going on at, at so many levels. It's it's been a lot of fun, dude. Middle Tennessee just absolutely pissed that game away with some of the worst, the, probably the worst fourth down uh, play call I've seen, uh, and a pretty bad third down play call too, as well. To uh, yeah, I just saw that went final. Yeah, forty-two thirty-five Liberty. Liberty was was trailing uh, yeah. when I first started paying attention to that game. Yeah, it was uh, it was not pretty. Go watch the last two Middle Tennessee State uh, offensive plays. Had a chance to tie the game, pissed it away. Liberty goes uh, seven and zero. Oh. Looks like they didn't need uh, Hugh Freeze at all. But uh, yeah, I, I just want to say there were a lot of people that doubted the Missouri Tigers, didn't they? Didn't they, Bobak? A lot of people. Oh my goodness! It is fun to watch them play right now. I mean, I, I don't know what I don't know what the roof is for Mizzou. I have no idea. It, it's, I don't know either. Yeah, it's like I think at this point, is it? Have we reached a point where I think Mizzou fans are just enjoying the ride? Because this is great. This is wonderful. I mean, they I, beat, I mean, the LSU it. game, and the thing is, LSU game. I'm still not sure. Like, every if you if they kept playing each other, I don't know if ever, which who would win each game. You know, I think that was just how that game that shook out, but. Seeing what they did at Kentucky, I'm looking forward to seeing how they handle South Carolina this weekend. Because South Carolina, we were just talking about them earlier, is, you know, 
Will Shane Beamer break his other foot? I'm not sure. Um, I, I I don't know. I don't know. I, I hope not. Uh, I don't know if you guys are familiar on the Gamecock Twitter space, but uh, the leading Gamecock Twitter uh, guy had uh, unfortunately uh, now he, he, he might have passed away uh, after the Florida game. Uh, we haven't heard uh, from him since. Uh, so Gamecock Dave, if you're out there, uh, please, uh, please respond. We need uh, the Gamecocks definitely need him uh, for uh, <laughs> for the game against Missouri on uh on saturday <laughs> absolutely well hopefully hopefully he's fine maybe he's just taking a, a social media break <laughs> but, <laughs> I, I hope so too he's a great great guy the game it's hard to hate the gamecocks fans those those guys are uh those guys are funny uh they're, they're a funny bunch and uh unfortunately they uh picked a terrible name for their town because they even though they're very great the uh town of columbia south carolina is not the true town of columbia that would be Columbia, Missouri. So it's officially uh, Gamecock Hate Week uh, for all of them. But uh, man, I, I, I tell you, I, I think at, at the start of the season, I said I was like, man, I'd be happy. I'd happy if we were just the Iowa. You know, we 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 got. But now, you know, you look at Iowa; they might be uh, eleven and zero or uh, ten and zero. Sorry, not eleven and zero. That'd be scary. But uh, they might be ten and zero. It well, they, like, they would be. They, they do have one loss. The Penn State did clock them. Or pretty one hard. loss. Sorry, yeah, yeah. no. <laughs> but but they 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 actually might go to a, a, a Big Ten championship, which is really scary. Even though the Missouri yeah. Hunter uh, had more uh, yards than the entire Iowa receiving core, which is really <laughs> scary. Yeah, I mean, it's amazing to think that they were that one touchdown that they ripped off that eighty yard something 80 some of the yard touchdown and the rest of it was just man Iowa I mean and I, <laughs> Iowa has 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 been has managed to take their weakness and turn it into like the ultimate sicko strength like people now are buying it the more they keep winning the more people are just loving it and I I was just imagining I kind of it, the odds of this are so low I can say it with a sense of humor but imagine Iowa completely wins out if they win out They'd be a one-loss Big Ten champ. They'd probably oh end up God. in the playoff. Imagine oh if they end up like the TCU spot where they somehow stumble into the championship game. I, oh. I think the press box would have a real trouble being objective, only because you know everyone would be like trying to still keep track of Brian Ferentz's need to score. Like, like you know, in order <laughs> to play twenty-five. Can you imagine? It's like he's got to score like seventy points against Georgia in order to keep that up. <laughs> You know, people would do that. And if not, he's going to fire his own kid. It would end up being like the most. Like uh, so that for that reason, I, I kind of hope. <laughs> they make I, it. I do too. I was listening to the, the cover three guys. See uh, uh, the CBS uh, sports guys were uh, debating this uh, uh, this exact topic uh, uh, the other day during their podcast, and I was I was I was cracking up imagine because I live with my my old man went to Iowa, and my and my my kid brother goes to Iowa. So I live with Iowa fans, so that, I, that whole scenario. I mean, do you even take a one-loss Big Ten champion Iowa who likely beat probably Michigan in the Big Ten championship in the playoff? I think you do, but that that that's that's a tough ad. Don't wish that evil moment. <laughs> ESPN ESPN would go berserk. The ratings for that playoff would be either zero or just people like it, like mortify the intrigue just to, I don't know. It'd be terrible. <laughs> if they, if they can win the big 10, just, just let them win it yeah, all. Exactly. We need it. We need it. <laughs> need it. But then they have to deal with Brian Ferentz for 
probably another decade. <laughs> yeah, at that point, he gets crowned. Um, you know, I want to. Hey, uh, Cornwall's Buttersworth, dude. Did you want to be? Able, can you jump? Can you jump in now? Have you had a chance to? to figure... Oh yeah, my no, bad, no, man. it's all right. Don't worry about it. Like that. No, that, that was awesome. That I would think still cracking me up. Uh, I think I see it every week. What is it like? How many points he need to score and everything like that? Uh, again, I mean, I went to Penn State, so seeing that, I didn't even expect us to, you know, do that. But I'm, I'm still shell shocked. That I, I think Iowa's defense is like they've played. I think like 515 snaps, and and they're still doing pretty solid, especially defensively. But I just feel so bad because, <laughs> I mean, compared to the rest, I think uh, what is it? I mean, most teams are in the probably like plus 300. I think it's like 390, something around that. But they're out there just all the time. So you kind of got to give them credit where it's due. But definitely very sicko committee, <laughs> it seems. But no, I just kind of wanted to just speak about, obviously, you know, being a Penn State guy, we got a tough game, you know, this week. And I kind of wanted to just hear, you know, your ends. I know I've talked about it so many times. And I kind of just look at, it, you know, our defensive line, Manny Diaz, that being kind of more of the show which we really haven't seen of a Penn State team defensively kind of, you know, like I said, I feel very confident with this game. Yet at the same time, you know, I have my reasons of doubts, you know, just because it's at Ohio State and we know kind of the history of that. But I just wanted to kind of hear, you know, either, yeah. you know, yourself or even the other outsiders. What's your thoughts on that game? You know, it's really interesting because you, you, I think everyone still remembers it was a 2018 the the uh, we're not yet elite speech that came after the game um and i think that's always been kind of this 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 kind of burden that that is kind of followed penn state around a little bit but at the same time you look at the team now and it seems like the defense is just so amazing i mean we were just talking about iowa i mean sure it was iowa they shut out but i mean uh and, and potentially <laughs> permanently ruined uh brian ference's chances of, of getting that uh getting that that regular scoring average but but jokes aside i mean they seem st as strong as they've ever been this almost see i mean returning 14 starters you know right after they won the rose bowl and i think it was like the first rose bowl win i think since the 90s if i'm right there and so the the talent is there ohio state is still strong and they're still capable of winning out like i, I was i think the, the argument i've heard the best it's like when you look at the top 10 teams you could almost you could easily make a case for any of them making the playoff now. There isn't like two or three teams that you just they're gonna make it no matter what. And then we'll see who fills out the rest of the spots. It seems like any of these teams have a shot. Like and no one would be shocked it whichever four I think made it at the at the rate we are now. And that kind of that kind of parity that we see seems to strengthen, you know. Penn State because I mean they look great right now I think the offense I still remember I watched that pre that press conference clip where somebody asked why why they're not uh why Aller isn't chucking it deep all the time and I, I thought you know that was a that was a great response um that was a great response by Franklin but yeah he just wants to heave it deep like, <laughs> what kind yeah, of, yeah. I, I, it's just like okay cool you know the strategy to this sport it isn't just like four hurts or whatever you know uh but uh yeah I think I think Penn State has a real chance right now and this is this uh, the only thing I think the, the the one the one spot that I think makes me hesitate is um, excuse me sorry one second I got a cough coming out sorry oh boy that was that <laughs> sorry about that uh, that's what happens when when you talk constantly for for a day but I think the one thing that's that's got me hesitate hesitating a little bit is that the game um, is is not going to be uh, is is going to be at Ohio State that's the one thing that's that's got me hesitant. Because that's a, that's a tough place, but 
Penn State seems to have the ability. I mean, I don't know who I would pick. I think they're they're as they're as well matched as they ever have been. And um, Penn State, if if they're going to do it, this would be a strong year to do it. But I I hate it. I can't give you I can't give a guarantee on anything right now. I just think they're so deep. Right now. Oh no, it's not going to be a guarantee. I mean, it's going to be. I think it's going to come down. I mean, the Vegas line is at four and a half, and I think it's going to come down on a field goal. I, I I would be shocked if you know. If it's a you know seven point game or anything like that, I just I just kind of it resembles a lot of like that Notre Dame game to, to me. Oh, Notre Dame, you know Ohio State, but uh, yeah, I think the defense is going to be kind of the show out. It's interesting to me. I'm not sure if anyone else kind of just saw the trend at least with um, the uh, what Vegas had the line for the total was at 51 and a half in an open. And now it's already at 46 and a half. So that kind of got stemmed down just from, you know, uh, again, what we kind of or what I'm kind of predicting as a defensive, you know, battle. It's going to be a hell of a game. And maybe what Chris Collinsworth always says, you know, like, oh, the team that makes the less mistakes is probably going to win the game. And I can kind of, you know, agree in this standpoint. Mm -hmm. But uh, and it just seems to me like Kyle McCord, like we saw what he did against Notre Dame. And uh, that, that drive was phenomenal. You know, yet, uh, no, that, that last drive that he did was, you know, great. Yet there's also been times, too, where he's not looked so great. And, again, on our side, too, we had, you know, Drew Aller. Everyone knows, you know, what, what is it, five, 5.6 yards per, you know, attempt, you know, which isn't isn't a pretty number, you know, compared to the most. You know, our offense is not flashy. It's nothing like that. But, uh, no, I, I can't wait. I think it's definitely going to be a battle. But, uh, yeah, like, you know. Yeah. To backtrack at the beginning, what I said. No, I've just never felt this confident. Last year, we you know we played them at home. Our defense played great. Our offense played great, except when we had four turnovers for one, you know our quarterback, and that definitely hurt. And JTT had probably the best quarter I've ever seen from a defensive end. He's ridiculous. Quite some He's time. absolutely ridiculous. I think that that's going to be the interesting thing. Can they put so much pressure on McCord that? You know, he's he's not CJ. Uh, so I mean, he's good though. He's not terrible, and that's the thing. Can they put enough pressure on him? And and keep it out of Marvin Harrison's hands. And at the same time, uh, on offense, I mean, I know they're not chucking it deep, but it seems like if if you if you can, that might be an area of weakness I've seen in some of the analysis on and how you could go after Ohio State. So Penn State's going to have a chance, maybe one of those two directions. It may not, it may not have to be like a stellar game, but I mean, I think uh, I mean it would have to be a stellar game, but I don't think you need necessarily be play beyond where they've been playing before. Um, the, the, just the question is, can they take advantage of some of those spots? Because Ohio State's still very capable. If again, I if I it this is I agree with Vegas. Like that is that is a very hard game to pick, and, and I think I'm excited to see how that game's going to pan out. It's been just exciting game after exciting game this season so far with some of these some of these matchups in the last. We've been, I mean, for the the top games have ended up being great. We had the great Red River rivalry. We had Oregon Washington. And I'm hoping Penn State, Ohio State kind of keeps this this great theme going on of of great top matchups coming week after week. I mean, we've been really lucky with these shaping up. Um, see, Ski Masks Murphy, I know you wanted to add something, and then I'll go over to Elizabeth Palmer. No, I just wanted to wish Dr. Buttersworth good luck this weekend because this basically is going to determine 
how the rest of the Big Ten plays out. So good luck. To Penn yeah. State. Who who ends up? Oh yeah, man. This, this game has a lot of implications, especially I mean, obviously Big Ten title, playoff titles. I mean, playoff championships or not playoff championship, playoff aspirations. <laughs> you know, it's and it could be the you know the forefront. Which team has like to the, challenge you know, and stop Iowa? That's going to be which team gets to have the opportunity <laughs> to play in the Big Ten championship against those those <laughs> Hawkeyes, but. Um, Absolutely, man. Thanks for joining us. That was great. Let's see here. I, I want to let what's up, Elizabeth. How are you? Hi, Bavak. I'm doing very well. I um, just wanted to, as you know, I'm a huge Razorback fan, but I wanted to first circle back to the first speaker regarding Jimbo. Um, I have a lot of friends that are AM fans, and there is no way Petrino is calling the plays right now. That's just my belief. I could be wrong, but what are your thoughts on that? Is Jimbo still taking control? I do. The one thing I'm very much looking forward to is after this season is done, particularly if he's let go, the write-ups that are going to come up about what's been going on behind the scenes. Because I've heard those arguments that it's it, Jimbo's the one still calling the plays, or is it somewhere? I wouldn't be surprised if it's somewhere in between. Like there, it's not. He's uh, he's not giving the reins completely free reign. So it's. Uh, I would agree. So the tension, I, I'm, I'm waiting. We're gonna. I, I wouldn't be shocked if we heard like uh, they were arguing, or you know, Petrino just finally <laughs> gave up, or or did something. Like I, I'm waiting to hear stuff because there's so. This is such a mess that the tea right. is gonna be spectacular afterwards. It's, 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 it's too quiet. There's something going on, and there's definitely something that these don't seem like Petrino plays to me. And uh, he was magnificent when he was at Arkansas. And uh, it seems like the same offense as it was last year for AM. And my AM friends agree with me. So I'm just, you know, I thought that was interesting that not seeing a lot of change. And I really do like the Aggies. So, um, but, and second thought uh, regarding my Arkansas Razorbacks. So we've played seven games. And only two of those were at home in Fayetteville. We've lost by three, 12, seven, and three uh, of, against LSU, A&M, Old Miss, and Bama. And that makes a 17th straight loss to Alabama. I do think our team is has potential. My concern goes back to the O-line. And I just, I'm wondering with many head coaches, how long do you give their assistant coaches time to develop as far as an O-line coach, an offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator? Um, I'm just curious about that. What are your thoughts? Well, certainly there have been examples of coaches just ejecting their staff almost immediately. I mean, their assistants almost immediately, um, either at the end of a first season or even partway through the season. I forgot who we – there was somebody who just fired their their uh, offensive coordinator in the middle of the season. Was it Indiana? I can't remember. But uh, oh, Yeah, I just heard of that. Too. Yeah, but, I mean, at the same time, I know Pittman's – I mean, they've got a new D.C., don't they? I think – didn't they didn't they switch it out? Correct. The D.C. The D.C. is doing amazing. Yeah, yeah he's new. And uh, we have, like, one of our um, transfers, Landon Jackson. Uh, he transferred from LSU. He's six foot seven, 281 pounds, and I think he had like 11 tackles total and 3.5 on um, as far as the um, sacks. So against Obama, I mean, so that was pretty impressive. I mean, he was playing inspired. So, yeah, I, it's uh, you're right. I, I 
Arkansas keeps getting so close and just falling short against serious talent. Um, it it feels like that that other team up north in near Omaha that like has so many, yeah. you know, moral victories. Gosh, are they the like Nebraska of the SEC right now? Is that what you're yeah. saying? Oh my goodness! Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Oh no. <laughs> Thanks for picking that I, up. I, and yes, I have a very, I have a very warm spot in my heart for for Arkansas. I mean, it wasn't the fact that I went to a game where USC absolutely blew out Arkansas, but I, I just had such a great time in Fayetteville. Maybe, maybe that is coloring my my eyes on that. Is that it was? No, and I had some friends that are uh, diehard uh, USC fans that went to Arkansas and they said the fans were so gracious. I mean, you guys killed us, and it. But this still, the it was very. Uh, you know, very good as far as the fans yeah. uh, were, were very gracious across the board. Yeah, I had so, a great time. I drove uh, down because I live in the Twin Cities of Minnesota. So I actually just drove straight down and spent the night. Oh, I couldn't get a hotel it. room in Fayetteville. So I had to spend the night before in Branson, which was, <laughs> I thought the Simpsons absolutely nailed it. It is Las Vegas if it were run by Ned Flanders. Um, not really my okay. vibe because I actually like adult <laughs> Vegas. And then, um, and then I, I yeah, and then I had to go back and I think Springfield, Missouri is where I spent the night. The like I got there at like okay. three a.m. after the game, oh and, and then just found a hotel and spent the night. Oh my goodness! Wow, please tell me you experienced Dixon Street at all? I did. I walked around a bit. I enjoyed it a lot, and okay. uh, and I even went up to Walton's okay. Five and Dime because I mean, if you're in the neighborhood, you got to see. You saw, and I saw Thorn Crown Chapel outside of Eureka Springs because I'm an architecture okay. nut, and I saw that really scary statue. Of Jesus in Eureka Springs. Um, oh, that yeah. thing is, if, if I'm not joking, folks, look it up. It's if I always, after I saw that statue, I said, there's some statues where if you figure if they get possessed like Ghostbusters 2, they're going to come alive and they're going to be cool, like the Statue of Liberty. There's some statues where you're convinced if they come alive, we're all doomed. That statue <laughs> in Eureka Springs, if it came alive, the eyes are going to turn red and we're all doomed. Uh, that's all I got to say. Oh that thing absolutely is okay. striking. All right. But uh, <laughs> they, thanks all for right. joining us, well, Elizabeth. Awesome. I really appreciate it. Oh, certainly. Thanks absolutely. for having me. Hey, John, you got a comment? And then I'm going to let up James, uh, James Walker. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just really quickly, speaking of Texas A&M, um, I was just kind of curious about your uh, – I saw a tweet for you guys earlier today about Texas A&M's uh, meal plan or uh, – Oh my gosh! Plan. Yes, that was a that was from and and to all credit, uh, do that was quoted from uh, message board geniuses. Um, that so again, message board geniuses. Let's let's take that with a grain of salt. But um, apparently, there's this whole conversation that uh, you know not many people. Again, this is a quote from there. Not many people know this, but Texas A and M hired a new nutrition coordinator, and they utilize grains much more as than protein. And the theory is uh, that by eating more grains, the players have more stamina. The problem is that they are ingesting what they are ingesting is causing gas and it's not typical everyday gas. This is chronic and leads to lots of problems, including fatigue. Several folks with inside knowledge of the program have told me this is on message report geniuses that there is a real problem and the players have complained about it. It's an intestinal issue and the type of gas is not normal. When you have players passing gas literally every play that is a problem i think you could tell in the fourth quarter that the aggies were struggling the training table and nutrition is vital to any team's success that is the the idea of blaming nutrition and farting too much um for texas a&m struggles 
was one of the more humorous things that I have seen. And it, again, that one, um, probably a troll. Some people are, are assuming um, when you have Texas fans coming out and saying like, ah, one seems like a troll, but uh, who knows? You know, it just, it was one of those funny kind of things that popped out there. And, and I just wanted to, since you, since you brought it up, John, I thought I'd, uh, I had that ready to go because it was such a wild and wacky post that uh, I know my colleagues tweeted that one out. Um, let's see here. James Got Walker, it. what's going on? Let's see here, James. Were we able to let you up there? I know it, it, it kicked you off for a second, and I, I tried letting you back up. Um, all right, we'll let that one. We'll see if that fixes itself. For No, oh, let me see here. Oh, it looks like you're in the... Just tried to add you again, James. Let me know if you can talk. Otherwise, I'm also going to let up Nate. Um, and we'll see if we can sort that out. Sometimes... This has been forever since we've we've done gosh a hundred I mean what this is Twitter one six the RCFB talk one sixty two we've done almost all of them on Twitter so for years we've had all kinds of issues so nothing's new here what's up Nate hey how you doing I'm good just watching the end of this uh, Southern Miss Southern Al- South Alabama uh, beatdown um, oh. <laughs> but I wanted to talk about Iowa I know you guys kind of already started alluding to it unfortunately. Um, but so right now I have the ESPN playoff predictor up and there's 14 teams. The, the two lowest percentage are um, SC at 2%, LSU at 2% at five and two. And like, I, I mean, I know it's like, it's been, it's been fun, like poking at it and all that stuff, but I'm kind of curious, like, like how, what would actually make it happen? Right. Like imagine if Texas, you know, um, went out and beat Oklahoma in the big 12 championship game. So now they're both one loss. Maybe, maybe even something like Alabama beats Georgia and wins out. Um, USC goes and beats Washington in the Pac-12, um, and then Iowa goes and wins the Big Ten. Like, it, is there really a, an opportunity for them to get there in, in a situation like that, or does it got to be something really like weird for them to get in? You know, if they manage to win, out, if Iowa were to somehow manage to completely win out and be the you know the one loss Big Ten champion. I think they may have a shot. I mean, sure, it's possible a few things might have to fall their way, uh, but I, I, I think as a champion, they they would almost have to go in only because the Big Ten is still, you know, it, it it's still the Big Ten. I, I, I would be shocked if a Big Ten champ didn't get in, especially if the other teams are strong and their only loss was to them. I mean, that Penn State loss, though, would still seem really strange. You know, one thing that's going to set the tone of all of this is at the end of this month, it's actually this year literally is going to fall on Halloween. We're going to get the first college football playoff ranking. And that yeah. always tends to rejiggle everything up because those guys, they, the men and women, they get together, they kind of re-rank from, based on what their, their opinions are. So we might start to see, because again, as I've said, the top you know 10, uh, especially any of them, I think really tough more than top 10. I mean, Alabama's number 11, and, and if they made the playoff, I don't think anyone would be shocked, right? But I think um, they're going to resort based on who they think is stronger. Will we see Michigan go up higher? Will we see Washington go up higher after that game they had with, uh, with Oregon? Likewise, Oklahoma with Texas. Um, and then we'll probably start to see the, uh, the AP adjust their own rankings to that. But the only reason I say that is then we're going to start to see who they could beat and who they could push them up. To be fair, Iowa's biggest weakness right now is going to be that the the rest of the Big Ten West, which is also their strength, which is probably why they're going to end up in the Big Ten championship game because they're, they're next. They're, the rest of their opponents are not good. I mean, you got what Minnesota, 
at Northwestern, Rutgers, Illinois, and at Nebraska. None of those are really going to do anything for their strength of schedule. The only team they played that strong absolutely obliterated them with Penn State. So, But at the same time, if they somehow manage to get into that Big Ten title game and win, it's going to be awkward. But I agree. I think the more I'm saying it out, you need you need some other things to fall their way. Because if you get a couple of more undefeated teams, would that end up with the Big Ten being left out? I don't know. I mean... Or would they just go with an at-large team? I'm not sure. Yeah, um, and and I so and I don't know. Some people might disagree with this. You know, I've always been you know on the side of if you win all your games or you know most of them and you get a championship, like you should be in. Like people might not like this take, but I think even with TCU getting destroyed in the national championship game, I think they still belong to be in the playoff uh, last year. And then the same thing with like Cincinnati a few years b- before that. But it's just really hard with Iowa because. You know, like you said, the rest of their schedule, there's there's not much left there. And then just how much that offense has has struggled. It's it's like, you know, their defense. Yeah, really good. But really, like, can they can't they just can't score very much, you know? Yeah. I mean, the, the it seems like they're just destined to go get blown out again in the in the Big Ten championship game. That's unfortunately where it seems to be headed. But it'll be fun to watch the whole time and then to see whoever they get. I actually would then want to see who their bowl matches because that's going to be extremely entertaining because then you're going to get some team, hopefully from the SEC, just someone who just is not, (laughs) does not know what to do. It's going to be Washington versus I. Just like in the the Rose Bowl. Yes. (laughs) USC versus I would actually. Oh, gosh. Oh, man. As a USC fan, it would be horrible. But yes, I mean, because we'd get uh, probably obliterated and embarrassed because that's our lot in life, apparently. We're like the punch, we're the punchline team, but we've always been that in a way. Like, I get it. When you're a USC fan, you know people love that. So. Um, and, and I will say I am rooting for Iowa to win out because I I want to see the chaos. I think it's just it's yeah the whole thing with Iowa this year is nuts, and I, I just want to see what happens. Absolutely. Well, thanks for joining us, Nate. Ski masks, Murphy. I know you wanted to add something real quick. I was just gonna say we got to stop wishing this evil of Iowa winning out upon us because it's gonna backfire majorly for all of us as fans. But also, I was just gonna say. I mean, TCU lost their championship last year to a two-loss team, and things fell in – the pieces fell into place that they still made the playoff. I was going to say the same thing happened a year before oh, Cincinnati. Yeah. So, yeah. Nothing, nothing's too far-fetched. Because, I mean, like, anything fall into place. Like, first year was TCU Baylor getting jumped over out of nowhere. So, who knows how these 13 people are going to vote. So, if our wins out, there's a good chance that we could see – Pure sicko football at his most. Yeah, but really going off of what you just said, I think if Iowa managed to somehow win out and like was the only loss for the Big Ten champ, if it were Michigan, Ohio State, or or Penn State, then you they they might do the TCU thing and just put one of those teams in. Um, But I don't know. Who knows? I hopefully well, uh, depending on where you sit, that would be an interesting thing to see if we actually get to that point. But that that, there's a lot. There's a lot that has to be played before we do. Um, Let's see here. Uh, Gamecock Superman, I'm going to let you up. What's up? Um, And it's so funny. I'm talking knowing that he's not going to hear. Now you can probably hear me. Gamecock Superman. Love to hear from you. What's going on? How's it going, man? Uh, This Saturday uh, hurt my feelings a lot. I can imagine, down. but is your foot okay? That's a question I have for I you. Was, I was down bad. My foot is okay. Uh, I, I unfortunately we can't say the same thing about our coach, but uh, but yeah, it's 
it's it's not great over here in Gamecock world. Just just as you can probably tell. Um, yeah, I'm sorry to hear that, and I've heard it's been really tough um, for a lot of folks. Because we actually, it's so funny, we actually had a Florida fan on earlier, and he was like, man, they are really taking this one badly. Um, and he wasn't even, he wasn't being a jerk at all. He was actually being very sympathetic towards Gamecock fans. And to hear you now, it's like, man, he was not kidding. That, that, was, that was a tough loss for a lot of you all. Well, I mean, uh, the only thing I can really think is is there is kind of a pathway to get to bowl eligibility. Uh, most of our fans kind of just think we'll we'll go four and eight and lose to uh, you know, every SEC team excluding Vanderbilt left on our schedule and Clemson. But my question to you is, do you think you know the Gamecocks can maybe find a way? to get to bowl eligibility. I mean, their offense wasn't the issue, but they, they just could not buy a stop on defense. Boy. Just up and down the field. It, it was a track meet. Yeah. So. Well, I think it's it's plausible. I don't think it's it, – it's tough, though. I'm looking at this. So you got – you need to get four wins. And it's so funny, just a real quick couple of finals here uh, – uh, Jacksonville State just beat Western Kentucky. They were in the they were behind, and then they managed to score the only ten points of the fourth of the of the second half in the fourth quarter to take the lead and win twenty to seventeen. The reason I bring that up is because that's the one of the the supposed gimmies uh, for South Carolina's uh, back half of the schedule and Vanderbilt. So those two, I mean Vanderbilt's weird. I mean again they scored more points than I think people expected against Georgia, but they're still Vanderbilt. I, I haven't seen anything that's made me think like, oh wow, they're gonna. So I think South Carolina's got probably at least two wins there because Jacksonville State's fun to watch. They're they're playing pretty well for a team that just moved up, but I, I think against South Carolina they're gonna get outclassed. But then we're trying to find two more wins with at Mizzou, which. Uh, I think it'll be tough. Mizzou seems to be getting stronger um, despite that LSU loss. But defensively, they haven't showed a whole lot either. It's true. They, mean, they'll just fire a bunch of weapons at you, and uh, and you either have to keep up or uh, or stop it, which is it, it seems to be difficult because they've got such talent, um, especially at, at receiver. But, uh, boy. Also, I heard that one of their middle linebackers was out this, this weekend uh, on Saturday. The it's I'm not going to say it's impossible to win there. I I think South Carolina certainly has has come close to to has certainly had the ability to kind of knock a team out. Of course, Kentucky's the other one uh, that would I mean all right. Pardon me. Let me go through this. So you got to beat the wins have to be found either at Mizzou, at Texas A and M. Texas A and M is so chaotic right now. Who knows? I mean, it, it would be fascinating because if I think if South Carolina managed to beat Texas A and M, that might be the game that really starts the the. I mean, I think those who who take some joy out of watching what's going on at A and M right now would that would be the game that they would all be gloriously circling and looking forward to that. But um, their defense, unfortunately, A and M is still pretty damn strong, and that's that could be a big problem for the game for the Gamecocks. Um, the Gamecocks versus the Gamecocks. We've already talked about that. Jacksonville State. I'm not sure that they're going to be. They're going to. They're not as bad as you would expect, but they're still probably not going to be able to outclass South Carolina. Vanderbilt, probably a win at home. Kentucky and Clemson are the two that. I mean, Clemson isn't that bad. I think that's the thing. I mean, it was so funny because Dabo had a quote 
that I just saw. It's like one of the more bigger posts on our CFB is that he said, you know, we're at a point where if you don't go undefeated, you're losers, you're terrible. That's just such a terrible mindset. This is Dabo's talking. And honestly, maybe we need to lose a few games to lighten up the bandwagon. So maybe one of those games will be you guys. But uh, I think people are having fun. Like he's 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 confirming he's going to lose more games. But um, or maybe he's just doing the little Clemson thing that he liked uh, that that you sometimes hear. But going back to South Carolina, you know, it's a rivalry game. It's possible, certainly. It's at home in Williams Bryce, so you know, it could be possible. But the four is hard to find. I gotta admit, it's it's kind of hard to find those four wins. It's been a tough schedule too. I mean, dang, playing North Carolina to open the season. No one, I think, realized how good North Carolina was going to seem. I mean, because they were in the, the tw- ranked in the twenties in that game, and now look at them now. Um, I think Mizzou similarly. No one expected Mizzou to be that strong, and so now you guys are are headed there, and and they're a tougher team than I think people expected. It's not a hot seat program. It's like, oh my gosh, they actually are aiming at Potentially more than they expected. So part of it just feels like South Carolina kind of unexpectedly has a bad draw in terms of the schedule, just of who they're playing this season. Well, this this year, do you think if if they do, let's say they go five and seven, miss out on a bowl game, is that a failure in year three of Shane Beamer? Or how does that sort of reflect on his tenure? Because I'm sure, you know, I mean, there there was some amount of expectations after the way Spencer Rattler played to end the season last year, and I mean, he's continued his hot streak. He he has some of the best numbers for a quarterback in the SEC, um, in the nation, actually. And and I mean, I think he'll be a first or second round pick. But you just feel like, you know, watching the defense go out there and look like. You know, they don't want to be there. They don't know what they're doing. We're whiffing tackles on 4th and 11. We can't get off the field, you know, in any situation. You know, it's it's just frustrating. It feels like we're wasting, you know, the most talented quarterback we, we've ever had here. Boy, doesn't that sound like another Oklahoma quarterback, former Oklahoma quarterback right now? Um, <laughs> this season, I'm just thinking of Caleb over at USC, the other USC. But, um, but yeah, no, I mean... It's frustrating. I, I get it. I think after last two seasons of going to a bowl, I think obviously that first season was was impressive to see him get to the Mayo Bowl. Last season, you saw an incremental improvement, one more win. This season, if it ends up being a letdown, I think it's disappointing, but not crushing only because of, of I think, some factors that I don't think anyone would have planned on. I think if North Carolina continues to look as good as it does, if, you know, Mizzou somehow, if, if Mizzou wins and they continue to keep winning, again, I, that was an unexpected victory. I mean, that was an unexpected power to play. Florida is a tough one. The way that whole game ended was just brutal, uh, I think, for South Carolina fans, and I get that. But, I mean, it, it's tough. I mean, the South Carolina, this is going to be a season where South Carolina feels more like a, a middle SEC team than than, than reaching as, as high as they were hoping, but... I would be patient, but it would be a disappointment. But I think I, I wouldn't necessarily toss Beamer or anything at the end. I'm not saying that's what you're saying, but uh, maybe then you'd have to, to consider, reconsider maybe some of the, the coordinators and maybe some of the, the strategy that the, the team is implementing. There has been some talk among the fan base about bringing back uh, a one uh, coach, Will Muschamp, to be the defensive coordinator at South Carolina. Do you think he would take the job? 
if off. Boy, that would be a weird one, wouldn't it, though? I mean, like, because he's got a pretty nice gig right now. Um, if anything, I think the, ne- the only thing that could possibly pull him from Georgia would be another head coaching job. You know, uh, that, uh, I would be shocked if he left Georgia at this point, unless something we didn't know is making him really upset there. I mean, could South Carolina even outbid Georgia? I mean, because can you imagine if that came up? Um, you figure Georgia, especially with the sheer excitement behind the program, would be able to get the money it would take to to keep him. Yeah, I mean, I I'm not. I that was mainly just a meme. Obviously, okay. <laughs> I I don't even think if he was if yeah. he was offered that he would take it. Yeah, that would but, be a uh, weird one. That would be such a strange one. My, the next the next guy guy on my list personally is Mel Tucker. Um, I I don't think the athletics department is going to be willing to pay Mel Tucker and hire him uh, with sort of the situation he had going on at Michigan State. But, I mean, he certainly has a track record uh, of developing, you know, elite defenses in, in college. Maybe not the best head coach, but he's obviously looking for a job right now, you would think. Yeah, that would be an awkward hire, especially immediately right afterwards. That almost seems like something that Texas A&M would do under Jimbo just to get somebody because – when you look at who they hired as their coordinators, they certainly don't they don't hesitate uh, to deal with some of the issues there because DJ Durkin was he can coach defense, but damn, were they you, you're willing to go with that that particular backstory there? But I mean, you know, we'll see. It'll be interesting to see how that pans out. There's a couple of other coaches there that could work out as well, but hopefully, I, yeah. I mean, I, I I have a small amount of hope going into Missouri, but I, you know, ultimately, I I think we're gonna fall short again, but. You never know. The Missouri-South Carolina series has been one of the weirder ones in college football over the past years. Missouri normally gets us when we're, you know, ranked. So, you know, maybe we can do a little role reversal here and and get them when, when when they're having a good season. Well, we'll see on Saturday. I'm looking forward to it. You know, I just want right. to mention on a lighter note, Ski Masks Murphy actually dug up the photo of that statue in Eureka Springs I've been talking about, um, which is actually a more flattering photo than what it's like to see it on the ground. I'll say that much. Um, because on the ground, it looks ominous when you look up at it. Because I went, I went to the park, I went and, and then and saw it and, and got a nice photo of it. Um, I remember my, the funniest thing I ever heard about it was somebody called it Our Lady of the Milk Carton with Arms. Um, but... Uh, so again, pay pay a good sculptor. That that's the lesson. You know, one thing. Uh, let's see here. Oh, there's one last person who wants to come up. I'll let you up, and you'll be our last speaker, Reese. As I'm letting you up, I just want to make sure I touched on some of the things. You know, one of the quotes that came up in the last 24 hours, at least on RCFB, was apparently Urban Meyer said he's not going to coach college football again. He has no desire, and I believe he said that in a at a quarterback club in Knoxville. I, it was being, I believe, asked about the Michigan State job, so I wonder if he just feels that in this exact moment or if he's being genuine about you know, some of the family, the tension of, of being away from half family and all of that stuff, and maybe he does, he's grown to like his TV gig. But, um, boy, you, know, you say that, Urban, and then are we going to then suddenly be seeing you introduced as the next head coach of the Texas A&M Aggies? I, I don't know. I, I don't want to wish that in existence necessarily, but... Uh, We'll see. I it just it's interesting to see that that somebody got Urban to uh, to say he has no interest. But in my mind, that's just for now. Oh, by the way, light joke. Celebrity again. They came back from behind uh, to defeat Middle Tennessee and continue to go undefeated in what is, I mean, again, widely considered the easiest schedule in college football. So there's probably no serious threat that they're going to be a New Year's Six contender unless a couple of other teams lose. 
Um, they had a really interesting uniform reveal. Uh, all gas, no brakes with these uniforms in front of a uh, Buick. People are debating what color, what type of Buick it is. I've heard Buick Regal um, at a Sheets gas station. So uh, at the pumps. I know Sheets is like a you know convenience store, but uh, that was kind of, again, that was, that was one of those amusing tweets to see out there. Let's see here. Um, uh, Ski Master Murphy, I saw you on mute. Did you want to add something real quick? I was going to say the worst part is I know exactly where like that sheets is located. <laughs> the funny thing is, there's like cars in the background. So like not, not the car they took. Yeah, so it, were people it, just it, like it, watching this guy dressed up as a football player, you know, presumably one of their players with like professional photography crew following around in a gas station parking lot. And are we going to find pictures online of people from their cars? Like, dude, you're not going to believe what's happening in front of me right now. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's what they were going to post it because, like, the gas station they, they did it at, I, I, it looked familiar. I was like, that's the sheets that's, like, right off the main highway that runs through town. <laughs> so, yeah, they, they, it, it was weird. It was yeah, weird. I just got to say, yeah. Liberty has a nice facility. We sent a reporter to cover a game there a couple of weeks ago, and he said, like, he had just finished a game at Virginia Tech and at North Carolina State, and they threw so much money at it that he's like, this is, this is a great facility to watch football, so... You know, good. They got all the money, and, and they, they take pictures at a gas station. But, but cool. You know, I mean, you do you. It, at least the colors were nice in the background. So what's up, Reese? First of all, I don't know where that sheet is because I haven't been there in five years, and last time I was there, it was not there. I guess off the highway. But what's going on? Um, A few things real quick. Uh, I want LSU to play Iowa in the bowl game. Just to see what happens. I just think it'd be a really funny, funny game. Maybe maybe Iowa scores more than twenty five points. Who knows? I don't know. Um my big question though was when when ODU beats App State this weekend, is ODU JMU going to be on ESPN next weekend? Because that will be for the top of the Sun Belt East, I believe. Boy, that is – and, you know, I know you're a passionate ODU fan. Actually, you're not the only passionate ODU fan, and I see John's hands up here too, so we'll let him <laughs> in here for a second. But, um, gosh, JMU, first of all, they are one of the fun stories of the season, aren't they? I mean, the fact that uh, – the um, They're going to host by the NCAA. They are. They, they and to a lesser extent, Jacksonville State. Uh, but, but, again, uh, they can't play in the Sun Belt Championship game. They can't play in a bowl. <laughs> But they can go undefeated, and that's totally within their rights. But that ESPNU game, um, well, it's a Saturday game, so it's it's. I could see them maybe moving it, but I'm not sure. I didn't know it's called the Royal Rivalry. That's absolutely fabulous. James Madison versus the. I'm I'm trying to figure out the the why it's the Royal Rivalry. Is it because, because of the, the Dukes are royalty? James Madison, you know, monarchs are. are kind of, Royalty for it's Virginia. Come on, it's, I know, it's, but uh, James Madison was a president. I mean, you know, so I but, I know, I know. Yeah, it's, so uh, but I, don't I mean, question it, please. it's it's cool. I mean, I I, I kind of would hope to see it. I I want to see more James Madison. That's kind of where I'm at right now. So I'm excited for them. I hope they win out. I you know if if Old Dominion manages to win that game, will will uh, which is is by of course possible. I, I'd be curious to see if if they move it off of ESPNU, but. It'll be tough. It'll be who they're competing against, but an, a, a night game does help there. You know, John, what did you want to add to this? I know you're you're also <laughs> an ODU guy. Yeah, um, I was just, I was actually going to say what you just said, Bob. Um, yeah, the game got moved. It's going to be seven o'clock ESPNU uh, next Saturday. 
I, I think, you know, if we beat Appalachian State, I would, I would hope maybe they we get a uh, like a better channel offering. I mean, ESPN was really good already. Um, and given this uh, idea to the JMU-ODU uh, rivalry name, uh, I know some fans, we've been calling it the Royal Rumble. It's because yes. the JMU are called, were called the Dukes, ODU is called the Monarchs, and so that's where the Royal Rumble name comes you from. You know, that makes sense. That makes total sense. And Royal Rumble sounds awesome as a, as a classic. W- oh, yeah. I was a WWF fan throughout my whole childhood. Um, when they were still called the WWF, but uh, yeah, that would be <laughs> that would be awesome. Yeah. But and, you know, meanwhile, I, I, App State I, I, though, who knows who beats App State? They are the wildest team to watch. I mean, win or lose, it's going to be chaos. I mean, they've lost a game in double overtime at North Carolina. You know, they they lost that close with a crazy ending at Wyoming. <laughs> they beat you know ULM in that wild finish, and then they lost the Coastal Carolina close. I mean, nothing is. So I expect a close – I guess that is a safe bet. Whatever – win or lose, it's going to be a close game with Old Dominion uh, this weekend. Well, if you really look I, at it, ODU's only been out of one game this year. They should be Wake Forest, should be Marshall. Should probably be one loss right now. I think that's that speaks to the fun and the parody of the Sun Belt right now. Sun Belt's easily the best G5 to watch. They're the most entertaining. But all, um, we, need, all we need is, you know – JMU finishes first, we finish second, give us some belt championship. You know, and, and speaking of ESPNU, you know, at least you're not stuck on Peacock because that, that's, that's the best thing you can say. You know, I mean, it's, at least it's on terrestrial TV. It's so funny, too, because I think, gosh, there's some state senator in, like, Ohio that announced his intention. Like, the, the nonsense that comes up in state legislators, you know, I mean, things that would probably get destroyed if they're challenged in a court. But he's trying to introduce legislation to stop Ohio's public colleges and universities from airing sporting events exclusively on streaming platforms. And, you know, my favorite reply was this uh, bounce man is one of these users on RCFB. This is a pretty roundabout way to avoid paying for Peacock, but I respect it. Um, But yeah, it just... I think people are. If he's a, a little... Peacock login, I'll give him mine. <laughs> we'll just we'll if, just tweet if it out. You're down Everyone, bad. Here you just go. Say you're down bad. <laughs> just, just say you're down bad. Damn. But no, I I, I really think you know ODU can be apt this weekend if you know the right Grant Wilson shows up, um, and then can beat JMU, maybe. Uh, is that South Carolina fan still here? He is. Yeah. I have a question for you. Well, on your uh, roster, how many Virginia players are there? Uh, a lot. We we have a pipeline. Okay, coming good. Because you know who who DC. your coach you know who your coach's father is. Um, I want to make sure that was still happening. Uh, because if not, I would I would yeah. be on that because you know obviously his last name's Beaver. Well, we got uh the one of the number one players, uh, Edge players, Dylan Stort in the country. Okay. from uh, DC Maryland. Coming in next year, and then obviously Nick Harbor is on the team. He made a great catch uh, last week, but the the defense let let me down. Bad. How many players I'm, from I'm like the Hampton Roads, Norfolk, Virginia Beach area do you have? Do you know? Uh, I'm not exactly sure. Probably. Yeah, a that's such a rich I mean, hotbed of, of recruiting. You know, I just want to. I'm going to slowly start wrapping this up. Ski Mask Superman, I saw your hand up. Did you want to add something before we start wrapping up here? I was just going to ask, was, did a senator in Ohio really try to 
Yeah, that. you know they always on. say that, and and no, it, it's a real it's a real headline uh, that that some guy, oh. uh, some state uh, legislator out there wants to introduce that. But I mean, you know, I, a lot of that stuff is is just the nonsense they they do at the state level to get attention. I guess that historically pissed the bill for the state of Ohio because they did put LeBron James basketball games on pay per view service. Did they? That's cool. So I guess, I guess it's just keeping. I remember. God, I do remember that. I still remember how all the hype when he was in high school. I was in law school at the time, and that would just come up, and I just be like, "Can we all Youngstown State games on linear TV?" Youngstown State, the Penguins. Yeah, I want to see the Penguins. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. That would be awesome. Hey, real quick before you before you shut this down. Yeah. Have you watched any any of these CW games? I have not watched a game on the CW, but it's always hilarious when a game ends up on the CW, and most of the conversation ends up being, "How did we end up on the CW?" Louisville Pitt was on the CW last weekend. I just want to make you guys aware of something called the Thunder Flash. Apparently, it's a TV show. Um, apparently, CW is where all the really terrible comic book shows go to die. <laughs> oh my goodness! Well, that almost sounds like the 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 lineup I would watch when the WB first came on. Um, all right. Well, I'm going to slowly start wrapping this up. Uh, let's see here. Just a couple of let's see if there's any parting comments we want to make here with some of the. You know, one thing I've wanted to mention, Brian, Brett McMurphy, pardon me, Brett McMurphy, love his reporting. Apparently Miami, and it's probably not involving football, but it just made people kind of pause, has announced a strategic multi-year partnership making the islands of the Bahamas the official destination partner of Miami Athletics. So the, the idea of a uh, exhibition game where the Bahamas Bowl is played would be amusing, although some people have joked that Miami is aiming for the, for the Bahamas Bowl as their bowl game, which obviously probably wouldn't work out. They have, I still think a P5 should use that bowl, but it's um, Conference USA versus MAC. Uh, so we'll see where that goes. Could they beat a Bahamas Bowl team? I'm pretty sure they will. If coming from, well, they, I mean, Miami of Ohio suddenly now looks like the strongest team in the MAC, and their only loss was to Miami. So, so the rematch, the rematch. Yeah, okay. the rematch. There you go. Um, let's see here. Just wanted to also just shout out UNLV for having such a strong start to their season. Uh, meanwhile, their arch rival in Reno is having just a complete chaos of a season. You know, Air Force is undefeated, but they're, they did lose their temp- for It hasn't been specified how long because, again, the Air Force likes to keep pretty buttoned up. Um, their quarterback has been lost for, quote, a while after an injury. In last week's um, victory against Wyoming, Wyoming's still out there, but I think they're out of the uh, New Year's Six race because of the two losses. Both, so, so, I mean, both strong losses. I mean, you lose to to Texas and you lose to Air Force, two teams that are are looking impressive right now. But we'll see how Wyoming does. Probably Air Force does. Luckily, they they get a, a fairly weak Navy team. Um, they get. I forgot they've got a slightly tougher game after that, and then they got Army, which also is looking terrible. Army was shut out. Last weekend by Troy, that was the first time Army got shut out since 2003. For those who remember, that 2003 Army team was horrendous. That was the first team to ever go 0-13 and when that 13-game season was possible. Um, thanks, I believe, to the Hawaii. They, they must have played at Hawaii and got that Hawaii extra game um, due to the Hawaii rule, where if you play at Hawaii in a non-conference game, you get an extra game as a way to offset the travel costs to go to Hawaii. Um, let's see what a couple of other kind of minor notes. I mean, we talked about Iowa a bit, but, uh, just one last thought. Um, you know, it, it was fun to see that, uh, uh, 
when somebody did the numbers and the total number of comments, because when obviously Notre Dame beat USC, some of you may have heard about that. Um, I certainly did. But that somebody analyzed the game thread because thousands and thousands and thousands of comments are made on these game threads when they go live on our CFB. And it was amazing. There were 1,300 comments by USC flares, people who put USC as their like fan base, and 2,000 comments by people who are Oklahoma fans. So it was fun to see how much they enjoy uh, following that and, and Lincoln Riley's kind of wild ride. And the previous week, Lincoln said a lot of things that made it seem like he wasn't really interested in staying in college for the long haul, but we'll see how that goes. Anyways. That was kind of a place we'll go ahead and wrap this up. We've been going for about an hour and a half when we typically go for an hour. I don't mind. It's great to hear from all of you. This was our CFB Talk 162. I wanted to thank everyone who joined us. It was wonderful to hear from all of you, and we covered the gamut. Uh, it was great to also have that, that quick visit by uh, Stephen J. Gaither, the uh, creator of HBCU Game Day. I recommend it. On behalf of all of us at our CFB, I'm Bob Akhairi. This was our CFB Talk 162. I'm going to hang up. And listen.